live from me being appreciative of whoever made that opening. That that's been fun to open stuff to this season. Like that that theme song that just gets you going. Was that Brandon? I don't know who. Yeah, who's Brandon. That, but it was Brandon. Okay, Brandon. Awesome job, dude. Like you, you, you've been the unheralded hero of like the technical end of Pesky Report for far too long. You deserve so much credit for for everything that you've done. And man, what a great. What a great way to to start um, the show all season. Um, it's episode three hundred eleven on Pesky Report, uh, brought to you by Beyond the Monster. Uh, I'm Ed Hand, uh, co-host of this show for the next hour or so, uh, and I'm uh, I'm joined today by uh, my friends um, Hogdale. How 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 are you doing, Mister Iowa Enigma, Mister Heartthrob? What what we we've been host- we didn't track your nicknames. We really should have because you probably have like seventy of them. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> at this point, like it's it's kind of insane. We did that for like every episode, just about. Uh, how are you doing, man? Haven't uh, recorded with you in a few weeks. Yeah, uh, better uh, better than I was a week ago. <laughs> so you know, yeah. and, um, I'm also joined by um, man with hair that looks nice right now. I- I- I'll say that your hair looks lovely. Uh, Timberly J Hardcore. Thanks, thanks, Ed. I I appreciate the hair comment. I I don't know. You told me before we started recording it looked good, but I didn't do anything to it. This is how I woke up this morning. Oh uh, yeah, I'm just so. born this way, baby. I'm just I just look nice, you know. It's just so here we I go. <laughs> how you doing, bud? Um, I'm all right. It's pretty much the same boat as Hogdale. Better than I was at the beginning of the week. That's good. That's good. We've uh. You know, long baseball season. I think if you're listening to this, um, we're you know the season's over. We just re- we we started recording pretty much as soon as the uh, Red Sox game ended. They got a six one win. Redevers got a hundred RBIs, so that's cool. Um, Tanner Houck pitched well. Hey, honestly, like the whole rotation pitched well the last time around. I don't know if teams just stopped trying or something. Like Dave Bush figured something out. Like, oh wow, the secret to successful pitching was so simple. Here it is, guys, and they did it for like the last few games. But um, season's over. Red Sox end the 2023 season with the same record as they had in 2022. Um, you know, High and Bloom bet on the wrong horses and lost his job for it. And really, like, and we were saying this before the show started, the season was basically over. They decided it was over with the day he got fired. You know, um, and we've all been sort of like whatever since then. It's been fun to watch some of the rookies play. Uh, it was great to see Zach Kelly come back. I really enjoyed that. That awesome story that for some reason, Dave O'Brien didn't seem to have any interest in talking about uh, during the recording. I, that must be tough to have to do commentary on teams that are just like out of it though. Um, so I'm not taking it too <clears throat> personally. Uh, but yeah, that's the end of the 2023 season, huge off season coming up now. Kind of going to set how the uh, team looks for the next at least the next five years how um where do we go to from here um there was one other thing that came up this week that was a little bit bigger than baseball and i'm gonna let uh hogdale uh talk about this because i know it's something that he he wants to talk about yeah i mean everyone we all know that this happened uh kurt schilling a notable uh piece of shit clown uh for various reasons that was came up before this incident uh you thought let it be known that, you know, Tim Wakefield, a uh, beloved former Red Sox, uh, had brain cancer. 
Uh, and uh, turns out like uh, that Tim Wakefield did not, and his family did not want that information disclosed. And then, you know, Kurt Schilling being the stand-up human being he, uh, he is, uh, you know, cowardly, hid behind the veil of his uh, religious beliefs in order to, you know, sanctimoniously appoint himself as a, a good guy in this situation. Uh, you really got to love that. Uh, re- really class act. Really what uh, what really true religious people do is like just be a terrible person and uh, just hide behind their beliefs. That's totally what the true Christians do. Am I right, guys? Um, Jewish. Yeah. No comment. Tim? I don't know what the true what the true I, you know you know I all the all the best Christians and like all the best Jewish people I know all of them just oh, are yeah. terrible to people and then just hide behind the veil of their beliefs. That's totally what you, they would do. Yeah. I mean. This is, it's funny because in a week in which Kurt Schilling retweeted like actual Nazi talking points, I think that this might be the worst thing he's ever done. He um, should never be allowed to set foot in Boston ever again. If he, you Kurt Schilling in Boston, you should beat the shit out of him. He's a bad, that's, this is unforgivable, man. This is fucking unforgivable. It's, I'm not going to call for like violence on Kurt Schilling or anything. Um, I can't stop you, Hogdale, because you're a uh, godless dude, killing machine. It's, but... it's asinine. It's asinine, dude. I, especially, especially with the news we found out like very recently about what happened. The fact that like Kurt, uh, that uh, Tim Wakefield and his family had to deal with this fucking bullshit in the last few days, like before he passed, is disgusting. It's disgusting. It's vile. I wish nothing but the worst things upon Kurt Schilling. You're fucking heartless, heartless and soulless. Why do you think he did it? What do you do? You think that it was just pure narcissism? Do you it's think just it was just man. wanting wanting attention on his podcast? What what other reason could there be? There's, like he's, I don't know. If you really believe in the power of prayer, maybe he thought he was going to save his life. Oh God, I want to be. How does the power of prayer work? That. By the way, that's not really something we have in Judaism. So I'm not like like what does that mean? I'm not even. I'm not saying this like ironically. Like what does that actually mean? I mean, I'm sure the the vibes are supposed to, you know, help cure him. And uh, apparently, the the power of uh, you know Kurt Schilling's prayers weren't worth that much. Unsurprising, because I I don't think anyone who actually like feels like they're a true practicing Christian really respects him at all, or thinks that he's pushing like what they actually believe. Like fucking, I have problems with uh with religion, but like for some of the best people I've ever known are Christian. My grandma, who I love dearly is Christian and she's like a practicing Christian in every respect. And she's been nothing but respectful. Like fucking Kurt Schilling is just a piece of shit in every aspect. He just <laughs> like, I mean, I oh, he, seam- he seamlessly like finds excuses to be like, Hey, I'm a piece of shit, but it's okay because I believe in this. Like, dude, if the hell that you believe in exists, you're going to the bottom layer of it. Fuck off. <laughs> I mean, I the, the issue that I have, if you take the religion part, if you take out everything and just focus on what actually happened, Kurt Schilling had medical information on somebody. Somebody that was his teammate. Somebody that was presumably his friend. They were pitchers together on two World Series teams. Both. And I mean, you can say what you want about Schilling the person. He was an incredible competitor, an incredible pitcher. This was his teammate, his wigman, whatever you want to call it. He even said on the broadcast, I don't know if Tim wants me to tell to tell you this or not. And then he went on to immediately tell them. It's That's just not like, something that you share if there's a if there's a one percent chance they might not want you to tell them. 
You know, no, it, that's not something that you disclose, period. So to, to me, it's just it, it it's it's, it's something a, that, it's, a, it's a betrayal of some it's the betrayal of someone's trust at the worst possible time. It's something yeah. that he absolutely no, would have known that it didn't want shared. We we know what happened in terms of like with T- Tim Wakefield. This was not early on in the process. He was not just diagnosed. Like fucking, it came out literally like what a couple days before he passed on. Like like he you're clearly the worst kind of person, Kurt Schilling, you piece of shit. <laughs> He clearly told him in like confidence that he wasn't going to go out and say anything. And then he goes, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like how like take it as you will lib cucks. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's what's funny. And like the, like if you commented it on, you know, there was, it was a big circle jerk on Twitter. Like I would say the majority of Red Sox Twitter turned on Kurt Schilling in a hurry, but every, like even before Red Sox this, Twitter, I mean, it, all of them. <laughs> yeah. But every now and then you'll see like some comments that are just like, yeah, what Schilling did was bad, but if he was a lib, you wouldn't be so upset about it. It's like, it's not yes, true. I would. It's not, it's not true at yes, all. Yes, I, I mean, First of all, why are you assuming my political affiliation because I hate Kurt Schilling? I'm pretty sure that, who, that, that that doesn't really have anything to do with it. Like, you know, like people hate extre- people hate their own extremists. And he's like, you can't look at it other way. The guy's unironically, again, posting things about the Jewish question, things that were unironically like Nazi talking points. Like, I'm sorry, like this guy, if you think he's your average, if he's your average representative of Republicans these days, like, listen, I know that we're polarized, but, but, but fuck the fuck off with that right now, you know? Literally. So yeah, wanted to get that out of the way, uh, I wish let's, nothing but awful things on Kurt Schilling. That's an unforgivable yeah. action. <laughs> and also, let's not let this take away from something. The, 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 the much really more important part thing. Of it, the much more significant part. And that's that, you know, somebody that was, at least, I don't know if he was present for your guys' childhood, but Tim Wakefield was a major part of mine. Um, and he wasn't that old. He'd been retired He's one of my like favorite players years. growing up. I fucking yeah. loved him. Love knuckleballers. Yeah, he was one of these guys that never did it. He was just quietly silent. He was a cornerstone in the strangest possible way because he was just there forever. He was a symbol My, of continuity, and he took any role that he needed. You know, long man, starter, closer, setup. He could he could do anything. He could, dude, he could, My um would give you whatever job he needed to do. Quick story: My uncle had drinks with Tim Wakefield. He actually met him really? up because he was uh, he was going to go to the uh, the Rangers Red Sox game. I think in like. It would have been the early 2000s, like 03 or 04. And like, yeah, Tim Tim Wakefield was there the gate the night before getting fucking hammered. Abs- <laughs> just getting absolutely blasted. What I year mean, was I, this? I think it was 2003 or 2004, honestly. It might have been a bit later, but uh, the details are fuzzy. But this like was back like peak Red Sox, where the Red Sox were yes. the Red Sox. And my, my, my fucking uncle like was like a little girl, like fucking like, oh my God, that's fucking Tim Wakefield, dude. Holy shit. He's completely fangirling. And he, he fucking drank with him the whole night. And, uh, yeah, uh, Wake got absolutely fucking blasted, and then he actually pitched the next day and got lit up, and that so, may have had something to do with so it. He's not David Wells, is what you were saying. Like, he yeah. didn't have that David Wells hangover superpower. Um, Sadly not. Yeah. Sadly not. He was I, there with uh, one other guy, too. Some other Red Sox pitcher. I can't remember his name, though. I'm just... So, what year was this? Because I'm just going to make something up. I'm going to say it was Rod Beck, and I don't care if he was even still with the team or not. If, I you want, guys, I if, think, you know who, if you guys know who Rod Beck is, that you will get that joke. Hogdale gets it. I, say, I think it was 04. I think it was 04. 
I don't know. If, I don't think Rod Beck was on that team. I don't know. Maybe it was Curtis Laskanik or something. Because it could have been earlier. Who knows? Fucking. I Let's was just uh, say it was Rod Beck for my yeah. own head counted. Dude, it's just it's just a shame. I mean, obviously, like I never fucking knew Tim Wakefield personally. I just knew him as a fan of the no. Boston Red Sox. And from everything I've seen, though, from all of his former teammates, uh, all the people at Nesson, everyone's just completely fucking gutted that this has happened. And it just shows the quality of his character, the amount of people that he positively impacted. I just, I mean, it's, this is, it's just a tragedy, man. Like when a good person goes too soon, like, dude, he, he literally like, pirates wrote out about it, about how mm-hmm. he was involved with all of this charity work for all the time. He was there. He was a repeated nominee for the Roberto Clemente award. He won it in 2010, um, which is just like, you know, the best like service to humanities or whatever you want to call it, charity work, uh, during the season for a player. Um, he was the first captain of the Jimmy fund. Just did a ton of different, just just different charity work that he really, there was no reason that he had to do it. He just either liked it or felt that there was a greater service that he had to use his role for. Doesn't matter why he was doing it. He did it. Everything you see or hear about Tim Wakefield is positive. No one has a bad thing to say about him. No. Dude, I I literally have like a positive personal experience with the guy. My My first ever Red Sox game. I was sitting by the bullpen. My uncle had season tickets around there. And I was like two, three years old. And Mirabelli, like his personal catcher, saw me. After they were done warming up, he tossed me this ball, and I got it signed too. Oh, That's awesome. And if yeah. you're just listening to this, uh, Tim just showed the ball that presumably has either Mirabelli or Wakefield or both of theirs, uh, their autographs on it. It's got Wake, it's got Mirabelli, and then there's one that I can't figure out who it is. <laughs> Just nice. Well, yeah, I'm just gonna. That. I'm just gonna pretend it was Rod Beck. That that's. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it was Rod Beck. It was Rod Beck. All right. R.I.P. Another another great one uh, gone before his time. It's sad. It's yeah. it's really sad. Um, they have two kids. I believe. Did I misread this? That his wife is battling pancreatic cancer. No, that's that's also happening. That's terrible, uh, I, I feel so awful for for their kids. Like yeah. It, I can't even imagine. Yep. It's, it's, it's a mess. It's, it's bad. And I think that that's part of the anger towards Schilling too, is that this would have been like a big surprise today and everything. But if, if he didn't want people to know about it, they shouldn't have known about it. Like, it's really that simple. Um, it was hard listening to Nesson when they were talking about that. Like, um, Yuke was, Yuke was really struggling to keep it together. I mean, that's another guy that played with him and was on multiple World Series teams with him. There were, um, I there's a picture of them at the All Star Game together the year Wakefield made it, uh, meeting meeting Barack Obama actually, kind of randomly there. Uh, and it, you know, Tom Karen wasn't handling it well. Like none of them. Alex Spear came on and was kind of choking up when he talked about. It. He called him a cornerstone of the organization and. Um, just an incredible player, but also incredibly, um, what was it that he said? Incredibly, incredibly unassuming. Um, they talked about him just doing crossword puzzles in the locker room with his glasses down over his nose. And I don't know. It just, this one hits. There, there, yeah. there, there are players that you remember them fondly, and there are players that you, um, that you feel like they're more than that because they've been around for so long. Um, I, I mean, we all... Remember when 
Aaron Boone hit that home run in, tw- in 2003. Nobody held that against Tim Wakefield. I think everybody was just nope. worried about him, and they just felt really bad for the guy because it wasn't nobody. And that's in a city like Boston, that's incredible that nobody put that on Wakefield. And then, you know, next year they won it, and everybody forgets about that. But the fact that, like, he didn't have to – they didn't run him out of town. They, he didn't get the Bill Buckner treatment. No. How many guys do you see that happen with here? It's not, not a lot. many. It's rare. So, you know, Wakefield loved Boston, and Boston loved Wakefield, and it's – All the it's, people it's in the – uh, It's just sad. It's really sad. All the people in the Nets are soon. better than me. Because, like, yeah, I mean – I'm happy that they were even able to hold it together in a semblance. I mean, man, fucking, I'm so emotional if I lose someone like that. Fucking, I'd be a mess. Yeah. So, yeah. And just finding out about it like a, like midway through the pregame show is is awful. Insane. Thing is, a lot of them like that's probably the reason they fucking weren't completely taken off guard. They 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 all knew. They all would have yeah. known. I'm sure they all had. I don't think. I'm sure that they had some idea of it if they were working with him because he kind of stopped showing up. And I wasn't sure if it was just like his contract was done or something for the season. Like he had a set amount of games to do. So they like they did a good job of keeping it under the radar. They re- they really did. And this stuff. Yeah, they did. A, a, yeah. yeah, they did what good friends do. Yeah. Say, so, yeah, man, yeah, rest in pe- peace, Tim Wakefield, dude. I mean, yeah. he, you will be sorely missed. You will be missed. I wouldn't be surprised if they retire his number. I mean the home openers. The home openers on four nine next year. It's like a perfect. Yeah. They they should retire it. They really should. Um, they they should bend the rule for this one because he pitched for. He just he pitched for such a long time here. He Literally was such, forever. Just, and he was such an instrumental part of the community. Like he really was. Um, yeah. I. It's very hard. Like when I think of Boston Red Sox, Tim Wakefield really is one of the first people that comes to mind. Which is I mean, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not. He had 200 wins just because he pitched forever. But <laughs> literally, he, yeah. But what he did, it's one of those cases where you talk about intangibles and you talk about people doing things outside of the uh, the ballpark. Um, Wakefield might not have been a Hall of Fame baseball player, but he was a Hall of Fame human being, and we don't get that many of those. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. Um, a lot of people, a lot of, I like, there's no, and if, you know, there, there's either end of the spectrum with what Hogdale talked about with Schilling. Um, just because you're a tremendous athlete doesn't mean that you're good at other things. Um, but Wakefield made the most of his platform and he did a lot of good for a lot of people. And, you you know, we're seeing, we're seeing just how much that loss, um, that loss is today, just with how his, you know, his, the people that knew him are reacting to, to the news. He was a Hall of Fame winner and a Hall of Fame off the field person. Yeah, great guy. A Hall of Famer, just a, a Hall of Fame human being. Yeah, which means more than a plaque in Cooperstown. Much more, much, much more. Um, so we're gonna let, let, we can talk about some other stuff because I'm I'm pretty bummed out now. Um, yeah, I mean, do we want to go? What do we want to talk about, guys? This is. Um, you know, I, if you don't follow me on Twitter, this is my last episode on the show. This is Hogdale's last episode on Pesty Reports. Tim, you're the sole survivor. Live to tell I the have, tale. I have <laughs> a column. I have a column I would like to release. A column? It, okay. Yes. Your hat just made me think of it, actually. Okay. I think, I think the Red Sox should put Brad Stevens in front of baseball operations. That guy's got something. Yeah, you just had to bring us right back into this with just a, just a terrible take. 
Just an awful I, take. Brad Stevens it's has the worst some, take. Brad Stevens has some of the biggest nuts I've seen in the Boston market since He's Dave him. Dombrowski. Yeah, I mean, the guy, he's just a smart guy, too. Like, it, it makes sense, but it's crazy, but it makes sense. Basketball and baseball are so different, though, in, like, how you have to operate. It's, like, 15 people versus, like, an yeah. entire, te- like, minor league system. No, of course. Of the, like, the, the 40-man roster. It, it's a terrible thought, but it'd be funny. I mean, that would be like Alex Cora getting the job, which it does sound like he's, they were talking about that today, that he's going to have some uh, input into uh, into the manager, into like picking out the new GM or whatever the title will be. Um, Hogdale, you, you, you had a tweet that I thought was very funny um, after Cora talked about Josh Winkowski um, maybe being a starter next year, which I just want to go on the record saying, I think that that's a bad idea. I really don't, I really don't want to see that happen. <laughs> Uh, but what, but what were your thoughts on this? Can you, can you, can you, can you run, run this to Tim? Yeah, basically like, uh, like I tweeted out like immediately after seeing that I was like, basically this is just Alex Cora playing 8D chess. He's throwing out just like the worst fucking imaginable ideas that seem plausible because of how shambolic the, uh, the starting pitching is to force John Henry to go out and spend on starting pitching. Really? This is a commendable act. And like some could see that say that this may be his first role as the shadow GM of the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, no, it's it just, just, it just becomes Cora just like having these really <laughs> truly ideas. Like, man, you know, Ryan Brazier's a free agent again. Uh, yeah. Looks like he learned to cutter, so maybe we bring him over, use him out of the rotation. What do you, what do you guys think <laughs> of that idea? Thank God he retired. Brazier? Oh no, God. he's not retiring. He did? Did he not? Wasn't that a tweet? No. Ryan Brazier? No, that was Ryan Sheriff retired. Oh, okay, that was Ryan Sheriff. That's sad. Yeah, that was Ryan Sheriff who uh, came on the show and uh, Damn, was well, honestly just like a genuinely I liked cool him. guy. <laughs> Ryan Sheriff, who I ran in in front of the uh, Hotel Commonwealth with not one but two women coming into the hotel with him. What a and legend. we just kind of awkwardly nodded at each other, and that was uh, I kept running into him, and I knew, and I knew his face at this point because I like saw him all the time in uh, in AAA. He honestly like. Ryan Sheriff, one of those guys who is just super intense and intimidating, but when you talk to him, inter- just an interesting guy. Seems like a stud. Ideal personality for a reliever because he's like he's got a little bit of that like psycho in him. You know, you need that. So um yeah, happy trails to Ryan Sheriff and whatever comes next. We really um you know, you didn't pitch a lot in Boston, but we appreciated what you did. You did pretty well here. Two point seven O ERA, six point two innings, and you know, just a stand up guy came on the show. Thank you, and uh, best of luck. 100%. Yeah, so, so he retired. Um, I, I saw that Alex Cora, like quote from like on Twitter where he was like, I'm not ready yet. Was that in reference to like ownership asking him if he wanted to do it, or was that in response to someone in the media just asking? I think it was in response to somebody in the media. Because there have been rumblings okay. in the media. I, I actually do want to like have a yeah. conversation about this real quick. I kind of... Yeah. Uh, really dislike the fact that like Alex Cora is just completely bulletproof right now. Like the idea that like his job is completely not in question at all. When this is the second year in a row, we're down the stretch. The team folded like a fucking cheap blanket. The second year in a row guys like just fell off the face of the fucking planet. I it's, it's interesting because they made their choice on that. They made their opinion on that, which is that that wasn't on Cora that was on Bloom, not um, 
not fortifying the roster in a way that allowed Cora to succeed. Also, like, I just you um, can disagree with that, but that is what that is to me at least what ownership indicated. With also, um, I'm I'm starting to get clown car vibes when you're you're gonna hire the next guy to be like the you know, the overlord of the baseball operations, and you're on you don't you don't even give the guy that you're gonna hire the fucking common courtesy to pick his manager. Like, no, the manager's picking him. The, the decision's that, made for you. Like, yeah, that's like or, this is a clown car vibe, dude. This is a carnival <laughs> operation. The fuck are we that's, doing? That's where I'm going with this. Like, who's gonna want this job when you don't? You might not even have a chance because the manager doesn't want you. Like, Listen, that's okay, so people say that about people are saying that. Like, oh, who's gonna want the job? There, I, I will tell you who wants the job. Anybody that has never had the big chair. This is going to look good on their resume. There are 30 of these jobs. These opportunities do not grow on trees. Plus, this is a team that is about to make some serious moves. Like, I yeah. think that that is pretty... I don't think... They're not going to fire Hyam and then be like, no, we're going to keep doing what Hyam was doing. A, po- like, a power system where the, the fucking manager is telling the president of baseball ops what to do is a fucked system, dude. It's a ba- It's dumb. That's a really bad idea. That is an extremely dumb idea. <laughs> I don't think, though, that Cora is necessarily going to be um, calling the shots, though. I think that it's just that he gets an assa- a say and can I work with this guy? Because, well, like, you know, like... There, I mean, is it, though? Because, like, fucking, again, like, it's been said that, like, fucking, this dude's essentially bulletproof. Like, fucking, he's hand-in-hand with the ownership group. Anything that, fucking, uh, like, the new GM or president has to say, Alice Cora could be like, oh, fucking, whatever. That's dumb. I'm not listening you know, to that. I'm gonna defy you and you know set whatever fucking like lineup or whatever I want to do in general. Eat shit. We're gonna I, get I, a curated Pena situation. <laughs> dude, like it's uh it's just a bad idea. Uh there's a power structures exist for a reason. And again, I like Alex Cora a, a lot. I think he's a like a really good manager. I think he's a really good like players manager in terms of getting guys to you know give the most of what they can do. Uh, he can't manage a bullpen to save his life. That's his defining characteristic as a manager. And uh, the idea that he'll have any, uh, sh- like any say on like the idea of like talent evaluation genuinely scares me because again, and I will remind everyone this, he, it took him three quarters of a season to stop treating Tristan Cassis, like fucking Mitch Moreland guys. Like, yeah. Wow. What an eye for talent. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair there, he kind of needed to push uh, Cassis a little bit, I think, too, because as soon as that pressure started going on, as soon as they started having, um, you know, like he started being benched against uh, lefties, that was a re- that coincided when he started hitting. Coincidence? Maybe. But you can't tell me that that he didn't was hitting work. You can't tell me. You didn't tell. You can't tell me he didn't suck for the first two months of the season. Uh, he did. Uh, but uh, counterpoint that moment when he benched him for uh, hitting against lefties, he had a 700 OPS against lefties. I remember <laughs> it was but dumb. How many at bats? It was dumb at the time. Left. But how many at bats did he have against lefties at that point? Enough to show that it wasn't a fluke. <laughs> like I remember this. I remember this because I was fuming at the time. I said, "Stop treating him like Mitch Moreland, Alex. This is bullshit." <laughs> to be fair, he did stop treating him like Mitch Moreland. We got a really yeah after three quarters of the season. Like I said. <laughs> That's why I said, fucking, are you sure you have, like, a, that keen evaluation for talent? Stop. <laughs> Sapphire's pretty amped up about this, man. She's riled up. It's because my dad's yeah. porch is, like, right outside my window. So he probably just uh, walked outside. So she's very upset about this. No, it's because Love Alex Cora. Love no, I think, that, I think that Sapphire is very anti-Cora, actually. That, <laughs> Sapphire is the, is the queen of the Blumenati. 
Yes, true. <laughs> Every so, time yeah. she hears Aura, she just goes, she lets her rest. So I'm just putting that forward as a thing to uh, keep an eye on in the future. The idea that the manager is going to have like potentially more power than the literal president of baseball operations. I feel like it could end up being a bad, a bad deal, but you know, whatever. Did you say that he was the shadow GM? So yeah, that's what I was making right, a joke right. about. <laughs> I I don't think it's a joke. I think that there's a complete. Well, that's um, why I said like this is his first move as the shadow GM. Yeah, <laughs> you're masking. I think that we need to go into next season with the idea that the man pulling the strings is Alex Cora <laughs> or Stan Shaughnessy. It's either one. It's a bad idea. <laughs> Alex Cora. Alex Cora tells ownership he's not ready, and John Henry's response is, "We're just going to make it seem like you're not ready, but <laughs> have you pull strings anyways." I think that he said you're not. He's not ready, and he says yes, Alex. Of course, Alex. Okay, so here's here's the deal: true or false, uh, ownership in general. Like, uh, if ownership picks a manager and like he's steadfast the manager always, uh, when has that like really worked out in the grand scheme of things? I have no idea. I don't really follow manager stats that much. I because I, I, I remember like fucking the White Sox being like, oh, you know, Jerry Ryan's were being like, you know, Tony Larusa is my buddy, and he's going to manage. <laughs> So. Yeah, but that was—I mean—that was a different situation. You can't compare a guy who's coming out of retirement and is in the Hall of Fame and has a heart condition and a documented alcoholism problem to a guy that's already been the manager here for like what, like four or five years. Like he knows the system; he's a part of the organization. I don't—it's not like he's coming in out of nowhere. I mean, when was the last time Larusa had even been with the White Sox? Uh, fuck, find it like the eighties. <laughs> So I I know I know it's 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 very um, vogue to shit on Tony Larusa, but when I was a kid, I got an autograph from him, and he was very nice about that. So so was Frank nice. Robinson. I got a Frank Robinson autograph, and I got a Tony Larusa autograph on the same piece of paper, and I have no idea where they where they were where they are uh, now. A person having no front office experience again, having potentially more power than the president of baseball operations is a bad idea. That is my hot take. <laughs> Okay, so what if hot. what if they had done this with Brad Stevens though? What if Brad Stevens remained the head coach, but he also got shadow GM powers? Okay, but the it, it's it's a different it's a different situation there because Brad Stevens has recruitment experience. And Alex yeah, Cora does. Literally. He recruits people to he recruits <laughs> people to the Puerto Rico team. He's like the GM there. Yeah. Uh counterpoint it's a lot easier to get people to want to play for their home country than it is to go, want to go play for butler is that a college thing i don't yeah, i don't the follow college, college at. sports at all that's, that's the college that brad stevens coached at he took them to do fine uh two national championship games okay counterpoint to your counterpoint baseball and basketball are completely different sports so it doesn't fucking matter well, you brought it up dick you brought it up dick that's fucking fair <laughs> whatever i'm arguing with myself Hogdale. yeah I forget, uh, whatever. I love Alex Cora. He's He seems like a good dude. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. You just want him to be held to the same accountability as anybody else. And yeah. I do think it's unfair that Bloom is taking the blame to the extent that he is. I don't think this was... I think this roster was much better than last year's roster. I think they just kind of gave up at the end. You know? And they, they literally did. And hey, if we end up getting the, the number one pick, it would be hilarious. Yeah, I mean, that would be amazing. Like, how great would that be? Dude, if the Red Sox, like, if any big market team ends up with a number one pick and you're one of the lottery, it'll be hilarious. 
It's like, yeah, the thing, the fucking, the system that you designed to benefit the small market team immediately fucks over the small market teams. <laughs> Rob Manfred's baseball, baby. That'd be, that's so baseball. <laughs> it really oh is. Oh my God. <laughs> it really is. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the offseason. How, how are you guys feeling about the offseason? Are you optimistic um, that the Red Sox are going to go make a big move? If you got hired, what would you be doing, Hogsdale? Oh, yeah. I'm, You're the I'm new very... GM. Here's what happens in this scenario also. Alex Cora is whispering in your ear, but you don't actually have to listen to him. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, man, I'm very excited for this offseason. It does – all indicators are pointing to that John Henry is willing to spend big this offseason. So, in that case, then I have every reason to be excited. Because, like, you know, go get Yamamoto, go get some other frontline guy, like fucking let it be Stell, fucking, you know, Nola, go trade for Burns, I don't give a fuck. Get get two, two frontline starters, that's what I ask. Here are the team's weaknesses right now, okay? We can do this really quickly going over the positions. I think the catching situation is fine. That's fine. I think the first base situation is fine. Yeah. I think, like it or not, Trevor Story's the shortstop, so... They're not gonna. They're not gonna do anything with that. He, he has seven outs above average. average. He's so. the shortstop. Uh, Rafi Devers, I think, has to come back to play third base. I think having Story for a year at shortstop will help him. I think Cassis with another year under his belt will help with like they'll they'll develop chemistry. I think that the defense will be able to develop chemistry much better this year than last year. So the infield is set except for second base. There are a lot of options for second base that we can talk about. Uh, the outfield. We've got a smorgasbord of guys we can mix and match there. So they don't really need to go after anybody there. Justin Turner and Adam Duvall, free agents. You probably need another right-handed power bat, and that can fill it as a DH. So just looking at this, these are the needs going into the offseason. Second base, DH. That's the offensive side of things. Pitching, I mean... You don't really have a number one or a number two. If Brian Bayo, and I've said this before, if Brian Bayo is going into the season as your number two starter, somebody messed up this offseason. Like that, that can't be happening there. He goes in as your as the number three. And I know that they're talking about sale pitching opening day. I don't that that's that's ceremonial as far as I'm concerned. That doesn't mean you're a number one that you're the ace. That means that you've been on the staff the longest and they want you to pitch opening day because you're the leader. If you look at Sale and treat him as if he is a number four starter, then that's fine. So you have your number three, you have your number four, and you have you get to pick your poison with the number five. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I This team has a ton of guys that I would feel comfortable as number five starters. And that's, yeah. um, I mean, it's three guys, but it's Pavetta, it's Hauk, and it's Crawford. And I'd feel fine with any of them. I honestly, I think I'd go with Pavetta of them. I think he's earned it, but... You know, like those guys will get to get their opportunities to start anyway, because that's you know people get hurt. But you really need to fill in those two spots at the top of the rotation, and then the bullpen. I think it's always good to get a little more depth. I wouldn't mind them. I think Bernardino and Murphy can work as their lefties, but I don't know what they see with. I don't know what if they want to use Murphy as a long man or a short man or what. They need kind of somebody for that Julie Rodriguez role. Boy, did that contract not work out? It, thankfully, a very no. small one, but he was. He was as useless as anybody's been. Um, so we've got those four those four spots there. And I want to know how you guys would fill in each spot. And we're going to talk about each of them. And we're going to start with second base. Who would you want to be playing second base opening day, Hogdale? Oh, uh, that's a tough one. I mean, 
it's this is a position where like I feel like you have organizational depth that like can be adequate at second base. I really I I, I need to look up what the, the free agent class for second baseman looks like. The free agent Awful. class for offensive players is bad. It's Awful. not good. I, I like, think the I, best it, second baseman is Tony Count. Not even lying. Uh, um, let me yeah. check. Hang on. Let me check my list now because I'm making my 300 list, so I actually have this. <laughs> Fair <laughs> let enough. Me see, let me see if anybody who played second base could actually. I think it's part of why they went and got Luis Urias, just because he can. Uh, he can theoretically go in as your second baseman next year. I don't know how I'd feel about that happening, but um, okay. Let me see here. Who do we have? No tier one is at second base. I'm at tier two. Whit Merrifield uh, will be available, right? Oh, yeah, he's a free Who is? Whit Merrifield. Um, he isn't technically one. It's a mutual $18 million option, so he is somebody who could do it. Um, that would be a good player. Other options, Joey Wendell, Donovan Solano, uh, Adam Frazier. Orioles legend Adam Frazier? Yeah, bring back Kike Hernandez and just don't let him play shortstop. Um, <laughs> Kevin Newman, Cody Kemp. It's not a great class. Those are guys. Nobody from that list gets me. Although I do, I've always had a soft spot for Solano. He was a silver slugger in 2020 and always seems to hit well. And nobody says anything about it. He's with the Twins this year, so he's been he started for them. But yeah, it's not really a sexy second base class, you know. Like um, if you went in next year, like. With like a Ray, like you know, Luis Rios as your second baseman, I wouldn't despise it. Like, to me, it's like you could have a few like holes, like in terms of like pure batting production, like as long as they're somewhat useful defensively. Like, Rios there is fine, plus, you can have plenty of other guys, uh, you know, cover at second base. Yeah. Rios sure, has a good eye, he has some power. I'm sure Sadon will be all over the field wherever the fuck he's at. And it's, you know, bar he doesn't get traded because you just, we just don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> so I'll tell you what my second base solution would be. Okay. Emmanuel and, and, Valdez. And it's because you just met. No, it's not Emmanuel Valdez. <laughs> I, you know, he made, he made some good plays at second today. I will say that. I will admit when he does things well, but he's still the worst defensive second baseman I have seen since Todd Walker. You will join the high. He is eventually. worse than Todd Walker. He is worse than Todd Walker defensively. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> However, I would put Sadon Rafaela there against um against righties, and then I would move him to the outfield against lefties and use either Urias or uh Pablo Reyes as the second baseman against uh, against lefties. Yeah, that's completely fine. That would be my move there. What I agree like, with that absolutely. Who, yeah. Who's your right, was, second baseman? I'm kind of like so before you mentioned that, I was like, just let Sedan play second base. But I like like your pl- technically a platoon idea better, just because it would be nice to like get him consistent reps in the outfield too. Because obviously, like you don't like to pre- predict injuries, but injuries are inevitable in any sport. So with his ab- his ability to be able to play all over the field, you're gonna see him in outfield at some point. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna have to. He's gonna play. He's probably gonna get some reps with shortstop also as Story's backup. Um, yeah, but they have like, especially with Duval leaving, they have Rob Refsnyder, and every other outfielder is left-handed. You've got Yoshida there. You've got Jared Duran. You've got Alex Verdugo. You've got Lier Abreu. So even if you trade somebody from that, it's still like, which I think that Verdugo is probably gonna end up getting traded. 
you still have a so very heavy outfield. So you can start Ref Snyder and you can start Rafaela out there. And then, you know, if you bring back Duval, you can start him against lefties too. It sort of, it sort of depends on what you want to do there. But I think that it, you, you make the most of his versatility, you mm-hmm. know? hundred percent agree. Really the, the lineup needs the least work of anything on the team. Like yeah, with all the people complaining about how like the offense kind of disappeared the last few weeks, like, they're fourth in total offense on the year. Like yeah. fourth best offense in baseball. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's fine. They were just streaky. Like when they were good, they were really, and they have to figure out how to, how to just be a little more consistent. I don't know if that's something with Fatsy. I don't know if that's something with the personnel. I don't know if that's going over people's approaches. I, I really don't know. Cause they weren't that good with runners in scoring position in the, down the stretch. And that was their issue in 2022. Also, they were terrible in 2022. I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. The biggest issue that needs to be addressed in the off season outside of the pitching is getting a new infield defense coach. Genuinely. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, that's fucking Carl- issue. Number one, Carlos Fabulous is like is his job between this and his third base coaching really left a lot to be desired throughout the season. I think get ready to learn Korean. Buddy. Um, <laughs> I think that that's somebody that we might see a change with. I don't know. I have like, you know, like that's not my area of expertise. I I don't like calling for people's jobs, but if we're talking about there being a change, that seems like a pretty obvious area. I Um, I don't like calling for people's jobs, but like fucking patently the defense was unacceptable. Like it was very bad this year. Just Rafi regressed. Uh, Tristan Cassis was never this bad at defense this year, like early on. Uh, like when he was in the minors, he was always considered a rock solid defender. He comes up to the bigs and he just forgets how to play defense. I'm sorry. I just don't fucking buy it. Like, no, it's just the defense was way too spotty. You need to make a change there. If you want to keep him around because he's a good guy, like just move him to somewhere else. You need to bring someone else new in to work on the infield defense. I'm sorry. It's not good enough. Dude, it's not even just infield defense. It's defense as a whole, because even the outfield didn't look great at a lot of points this year. And yeah, like, Verdugo's really the only exception there where he was consistently a good out like a, an above average outfielder. Everybody else. And it was basic get, stuff too. I yeah, no, 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 I get it. It's like they're making mental mistakes. They, they, they need to make these plays, but like at the same time, coaching hasn't really helped them out much this year. No, and if they're not doing their job, you have to it's something you have to look into. Mm-hmm. So yeah, co- coaching is a thing. How about the pitching? You need two starters. How would you go about fixing the rotation, Tim? Uh, Yamamoto, I think you got to pony up. I mean, I know Heim's not here anymore, but you saw the at least ownership is willing to spend on international free agents and go above and beyond for them. So, like, if you got to get into a bidding war for Yamamoto, that's something you got to win. He's young. He's proven himself in the second-best baseball league there is. You, you got to go out and find a way to get that done. And then the two, honestly, I've been going back and forth between whether signing Aaron Nola, Aaron Nola could make a lot of sense, or if you you just, like, whisper at winter weekend, or at, um, yeah, winter weekend, whatever it is, where the GMs meet up. Hopefully there's somebody here by then. Winter meetings, yeah. 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 Um, you just whisper, hey, Marcelo Mayer may be available, maybe if you can get me a, Top end arm. So, like, you can either address the two with a trade or a signing, but I really think you need Yamamoto to be signed to be your one. 
I, I'm of the firm belief that if you don't get Yamamoto, fucking this whole offseason's a failure. Like, I genuinely. Like, you just go, like, at bare minimum, he, you better have the best offer. If he rejects your best offer, fine. He wanted to go somewhere yeah. else. You can't control that, but you better have the fucking best offer. And if you can't get Yamamoto, then uh, you get Snell and you go trade for Corbin Burns and don't make fucking excuses. I don't care. Like, you need two, at least one bona fide top of the fucking end starter. Like, if it's Yamamoto, like, fucking good. If you can't get him, you better go get fucking Burns because the Brewers aren't paying him and everyone's kidding themselves if they think they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, th- the thing with free agency is that the true number one ace starters they very rarely hit free agency. Somebody like no. um, Jarrett Cole is the exception, not the rule. That's why the Yankees, you know, backed up the Briggs trucks for him. And um, it was worth it. more of like a guy like Luis Castillo, who as soon as they traded for him, he got extended. Yep. Um, so the, 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 there, are, there are exceptions with this where a good pitcher will hit free agency, but it's usually because there's a flaw in their game or it's a dysfunctional organization. So somebody like Shohei Otani, if he hadn't hurt, hurt his arm, that fills in your ace quota. Um, but the Angels are also just dysfunctional. So yeah. that's how he hit there. The exception for this, though, the real exception is when they're coming from another market. And that's usually Japan. And we don't see it that much. But basically, you end up getting a guy going into his prime years without the necessary development of going through the majors and you can just lock him down. You don't have to trade anybody. You don't have to suck and win a draft pick. He's just there. Um, so guys like that don't come around very often. I can't, I'm trying to think who the last one like that was. Um, I mean, Otani was special, but that was also, you had to agree to use him as a two-way player and, you know, like at the time, people thought that was a really crazy notion that he was going to do that. So, you know, before that was a that, huge risk. Otani was far from a slam dunk. Before that was probably Darvish, right? Darvish, yeah. Darvish, I think, was the last. There have been some other decent pitchers. Um, yeah, like Tanaka. Like Kenta Meta has had some decent years. Um, I think he's with the Twins now. Yep. yep. Um, but they're not to the same extent. But like when you see guys like that, Darvish was probably the last one that's like the same level as uh as Yamamoto. And you know, like yeah, Darvish has the highest war for any Japanese pitcher ever. Um maybe I mean Masahiro Tanaka, I think, was a little bit before that. Him and Hiroki Kuroda both had some good runs here. Obviously, when Hideo Nomo came, that was it was just a different market. Um but opportunities like this are very rare, so you have to try and get him. There, there's literally, there's genuinely no excuse for the Red Sox not to yeah. have two, uh, you know, two frontline starters well, by the start of the season next year. The thing is, I don't think that anybody on the free agency market, other than Yamamoto, is a potential ace. I think that they're good. There are good pitchers available. I don't see them as aces. I don't see Blake Snell as an ace, even if he wins the Cy Young Award. He his control just isn't good enough. Um, he's more like a, he's a good number two. But you don't if, if if it's like Blake Snell and Eddie Rodriguez, that's not good enough. That thing um, is like, yeah, if like if it's yeah, if it's those two yeah. specifically as you're wanting to, yeah, you're right. That is absolutely not good yeah. enough. If you do um, get Blake Aaron, Snell, yeah. though, like I'm 100 down for it, just because he plays up in the playoffs. Like that's a dude the who's only, a gamer. The only thing is, for me at least, it's still diff- as good as 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 talented as Yamamoto is. It's still an adjustment coming from Japan to the U.S. It's a different schedule. The hitters are completely different. It's a different style of baseball. 
And it's a lot of pressure to put on anybody to come over here and be that number one. And then you make that in a city like Boston with the amount of money he's going to be getting. I don't know if you want to take Yamamoto and make him your number one. I think that what they, this is what I would do. You you trade for a guy like Corbin Burns, you extend him, you put Burns at the top of that rotation and put Yamamoto as the number two. That's fair. I think, I think the transition, like, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but if Yamamoto does sign here, I think the transition could at least be a little bit easier for him, especially because Yoshida's here. They've been teammates before. They have a good relationship together. So I think that definitely would help, and I think it also helps in the whole recruiting pitch. So, I, I mean, I get, like, the whole, like, process isn't easy no matter what, but I think it could be easier if he decided Boston was the place he wanted to call home for, like, six years. And you guys, you guys are also not really factoring one thing in. Was that the rumors that about there being mutual interest between Shohei Otani and the Boston Red Sox? And I don't want to. I don't want to read into it. I don't want to get my hopes up. I really thing don't. is with Otani. Absolutely, I would take Otani. Shohei Otani is a once in once in a generation is gen- genuinely understating it. He's a once in a fucking century he's a, player. He's a once in a century player. Like. He won't be able to pitch year one. To me, like you're bringing in Otani, you're you're gonna need to overhaul some things. Like there's gonna be significant like moves that need to be made because there's already too many DHs on the team. <laughs> like <laughs> there's too many left-handed hitters as well. And the thing is, so, Otani is a dude where he's so good that he transcends that. Yeah, yeah like, it doesn't with Otani, it doesn't matter. If you have the opportunity to get Shohei Otani, not even just from a baseball perspective, from a marketing perspective, this is the biggest athlete in baseball. You can make a case. Is there a bigger athlete in the world than Shohei Otani? No. I'm not sure there is. Maybe so like Mbappe. It'd be like Mbappe or like Ronaldo yeah, and Messi. Yeah. Like that's the old, like, that's the kind of money that guy potentially brings. And people come to Boston just to play with guys like that. People visit to Boston just to see Shohei Otani play. The amount of t-shirts you sell for that guy. Dude, I'd buy one of those. You put him in Fenway Park, he figures out how to go opposite field. Dude, I'd buy one of those jerseys with, like, his name in Japanese on the back. That's so sick. Yeah. Thing is, like, I do love Otani, and if they get him, I'll be fucking stoked. I will be absolutely stoked. But with that, with him here, he still won't be able to pitch for a year. So your yeah, pitching thing is still a big problem. So you still need to go out and get like fucking, you know, Yamamoto <laughs> slash Burns slash someone else. <laughs> right. And it's not, and it's obviously not that, it's not as simple as just signing the guy too, because you have to balance all of this around everything. Yep. But there are a lot of directions they can go in and we don't know what they're going to do. We know what makes sense on paper to us. Um, but you know, there's there's inside baseball stuff that we don't know the half of that we don't have that insight. So mm-hmm. it's it's going to be very interesting in this off season. But I think that we've kind of drawn out. Um, I'll ask one more question about this: If you could only pick one guy, Adam Duvall or Justin Turner, to come back next year and be that right-handed power bat, who who are you taking? That's this tough, one's e- man. this one's easy for me. Who is it? Justin Turner. How come? I, I, I just like uh, because just Justin Turner was just consistent. Like he he embodied what being a Red Sox really is. You're just consistent. You play hard. You he played through injury. He he didn't really. I didn't at least didn't he didn't complain too. much. Led yeah, by no, example. He, he didn't he didn't bitch and moan like at all. 
He he wasn't like, I want to win. He was okay with how the season ended. That like the Duvall comments at the end of the year kind of really turned me off on him, which I get. Oh, it. yeah, yeah. You're a competitor, you want to win, but like maybe bring the team up more. Like Turner was a clubhouse leader. I didn't really get that vibe from Duvall, if that makes sense. I think that just for what Turner did and what the team struggled with this year, that's a type of hitter that is never like you talk about there like a se- you want a season to be on like a straight plane. You don't get too high, you don't get too low. Team was too much of a roller coaster this year. High highs, extremely low lows. And Turner never really had a bad slump. Other like he was his numbers went down a little bit when he got hurt, but he was consistent. He was steady and he didn't strike out a ton. He made contact when he needed to. He did the little things well. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's a good base runner. He like, you know, good with the good with the players outside of the actual game. Like Mr. Intangibles. That is how I would describe Justin Turner. Mr. Intangibles. So yeah. yeah, I would say they bring him back for, but it's just it's tough because he doesn't play a position that you necessarily need unless you're comfortable with Yoshida being the full-time left fielder, which personally I am. I think his defense gets um, I, I think that him being mediocre defensively gets a little overstated. I think that it's Fenway. Manny Ramirez played here for years. Nobody. It's relating, yeah. Yeah, it's like he's not he's got a, Ramirez. He's got a big fucking wall behind him, shielding him from any major mistakes, guys. Exactly. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, not even, exactly. like, it's not even just like, th- there's another part of it for me, too, is like, obviously, I think he like, there's a chance he doesn't opt out, but he most likely is. And if he opts out and there is serious interest in Shohei Otani, you're obviously yeah. that that takes the DH spot from Turner, and you're going to try to negotiate. And Otani's going to drag out his negotiations, and I kind of feel like Turner's going to want to sign quickly to figure out where he's playing next year. Yeah. So you're kind of like, you're kind of boned on one end of that. Either you get something done with Turner quick, or you drag out with Otani and miss out on Turner, and possibly yeah. miss out on Otani too. Yeah. So it's a it's a it, it's a tough call, and I can understand why they made the moves that they did with somebody like. Um, they need to go for it this off season. Yeah. And I don't know if high and bloom is the kind of person uh, that you go with it for. I know there are a lot of people talking about the potential of Kim coming to um, Boston. I don't think it's going to happen. And that isn't, that isn't a slight against Ung. I think she's done a really good job with the Marlins. I mean, they've obviously made the playoffs this year, but just the trades that she made, some of the contracts she's been able to work out there. I don't think her style would really fit in that well here. I think that, like, you you need somebody that's just going to be batshit crazy. Yeah. If that makes sense. I, I also don't think that it's, like, a real possibility, mostly because the Marlins made the playoffs this year, so I don't see them letting her leave. And also, she has also, like, publicly stated before about, like, being really considerate on if she would take, like, a big market team, like, to be the head of their ops because of obviously you have the fans in those like it's more prevalent in big market teams that are sexist and racist and all of that so like i understand you want to protect your peace but i think she could handle it that's the thing it's not that i'm saying i don't think she could handle it it's that she's publicly stated before she's unsure if she would take the job i i wouldn't get if i were her i really wouldn't and that's not a knock on it here it's just that not every job is going to be for every person not every environment is going to yeah work it just it also just doesn't make sense for me to for them to hire somebody that's kind of like a more polished version of Bloom. Listen, I, if um, in terms of Kim Ong, if like if the Red Sox like you know see her and be like, we want her to be our next head of president of baseball operations, 
Like uh, the Marlins not letting her go. Give me a fucking break. Ch- cheap ass <laughs> ownership group. They can't fucking retain shit. Like the John Henry's like, hey, I have John Henry money. Here's my John Henry money. Come work for me. If she genuinely doesn't want the job, then that's fine. But like in terms of like, uh, you know, the Marlins not letting her leave. That's hilarious. Like this. Absolutely not. No, they're not a, a serious organization. They don't spend serious organization money. <laughs> so, I mean, they did have the largest contract in baseball at one point. Yeah, sure. They sure did. And what happened? Like immediately afterwards, they fucking purged off and sold literally everything <laughs> for the uh, eight, for fair. like the fortieth time in that franchise's history. That's fair. R.I.P. Ryan Fernandez, or not Ryan Fernandez? Sorry, Jose Fernandez. Jose Fernandez. That is yeah. Jose man. Fernandez. People give him like a a lot a bad rap because he was an idiot. Like the way he went out was like a reckless idiot, but yeah, a lot of kids in their twenties are reckless idiots. If we're gonna like <laughs> defend Shilling's pitching ability, like I mean, Fernandez was pretty impressive too. Dude, he was he had, the age he was doing. Was, that. Yeah, his stuff was phenomenal, man. Dude, do you that guys was just a bad video? year for baseball in general for baseball yeah. players dying. I think Yadier Ventura died then too. Yeah. Oh yeah, that did happen, and then there was also the Cardinals guy. Uh, Andy, I mean, Marte. Oh, Oscar Tavares. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's another one. Um, Luis Valbuena in uh, playing in the Venezuelan league. It was just a that was a really rough year for uh, for uh, players uh, playing abroad. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, guys. So we've we've talked a lot about uh, about the future of the team, and just going to take a second to. Uh, Talk about the future of me and Hogdale. Um, this is going to be our last episode with Pesky Report. Um, it's been a good two-year run. We are moving on to Greener Pastures. I'm actually going to be um, joining a show with uh, Andrew Parker, who I became pretty friendly with covering the uh, Woo Sox this season. We've got a bunch of guests already lined up. We're starting recording tomorrow. Um but keep an eye out for that. Going to be just doing a whole bunch of interviews. I've got some other stuff going on. I'm going to be um, appearing with Rob Bradford again with my free agency tracker. Um, what are you going to be up to, Hogdale? Uh, I mean, I will be starting up doing my own personal kind of shit. I'll be uh, I'll be recording an episode of my personal podcast, which hasn't had an episode, I think, since 2021. It's called Ed- Endless Ranting. I'm going to start putting regular episodes of that out. I, I'm going to start, you know, tr- maybe make some YouTube videos here and there. And then uh, I should be doing a project uh, as a podcast next year with my good old friend here, uh, Ed. I mean, yeah, we're, uh, it, 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 it's not yeah. like me and Ed are going to disappear off the face of the planet. We're no, going to be still no. posting a lot of shit. And no, uh, yeah, well, no, we're going to be pretty active. I think Hogdale's going to be more active, if anything. Oh, absolutely. I, I'll be very happy that I'll have a bit more time to dedicate to personal shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of like like leaving, n- no bad terms with anyone. I have, I have nothing but love from everyone on the Pesky Report. I mean, yeah, fucking... it was a really um, surprisingly, I don't know, surprisingly, but pe- I don't know, people were very nice about it, um, and I got a lot of really nice messages from some people. So thank you uh, for that. It's you know, I kind of joined this sort of randomly. Um, and it's been, you know, I've gotten to do some pretty cool stuff with it and kind of figure out my own identity a little bit more and what I want to get out of it. And that's been, uh, that's, that's been really great, uh, being able to do that. I think that, um, 
I mean, my own motivation for wanting to leave the, the show, uh, because it, well, you know, like, it's like it ultimately, it is my decision with that. Um, I, there, there are things that I want to do that I can't do here. And it's really, it's that simple. And I could try to do it elsewhere while doing it here. And that would, that wouldn't really be fair. Not enough it time. Be fair. It's not fair to half-ass it, you know, like if you're gonna commit to some kind of a project, like, you know, like you have to, you have to throw yourself into it. You can't have one foot out the door, one foot in the door. Um, so yeah. that's, you know, appreciative for of everything that's come with Pesky Report. I'm sure that it's going to be great next year. It's probably going to be better next year without us. Um, and, you know, Tim, like it's going to be cool to watch you grow without, without that and see what other people are doing. But, um, yeah, it's been it's been a good ride. It's 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 been a good ride, and I'm excited. Yeah, um, I'm excited to be working with you, buddy Hogdale. Um, I Absolutely. think that like, yeah, we. I'm. You're you're the. I've said this for a while, but for both of you, you guys are the future, and uh, it, it it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty awesome. I love uh I love everyone in this show, man. I mean, this show's given me invaluable experience, like two and a half years of being able to just improve, being able to talk in front of a, a microphone and in front of a camera. I I've gotten much better than I was two and a half years ago. So, I mean, it's just, I have nothing but, you know, respect and love for, uh, for Brad, for fucking, you know, Brady doink, uh, you know, Bailey fucking Palmer, everyone who's been on this fucking show, man, everybody who's come and gone. Brandon, yeah, Brandon, uh, I, I don't want pizza has been a blast to get to work with. Like there's, I'm trying to think if I'm missing anybody. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to leave anybody out of that pool, but, uh, it's it's been a good ride yeah i mean like chances are i'll probably still pop in like a couple times for like a guest appearance or something if brad ever wants me so but like yeah man i mean i'm looking forward to being able to put out a lot more personal shit uh i'm not looking forward to like talking about the new england patriots which is what i'm probably gonna end up doing a decent bet because uh what they're currently losing 38 to 3 so that's nice oh it didn't get worse uh well it was 31 to 3 so now it's 38 to 3 Jeez. Wow, they suck, huh? Yeah, it's, uh, they don't uh, beat good teams. That's kind of like the defining characteristic of the Patriots the last since Brady left. They just don't beat good teams. But uh, just, just I wanted to say something real quick just to both of you. Um, obviously, it started on the weekday show, but I've worked with both of you a bunch now, and I just wanted to thank both of you for every opportunity that you guys have presented me with. And helping me grow, not only like in the podcasting world, but just grow overall as a person, just personal life advice too. You guys are both great men and I'm excited to see what you guys do. And I'm very appreciative of you guys. That is, re- that, that's really kind of you to say. It re- it really genuinely is. And it's not something that I expected to be uh, getting out of this show but it's it's certainly been something that um, the relationships that I've been able to build through it have been really um, a really nice um, um, bonus from it. And, uh, you know, like, like, like these are relationships that go beyond the show and, you know, we'll be we'll be friends. And, yeah. Like, I'm not like that's not going anywhere. Friendship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also do. Um, want to, uh, I want to apologize to a lot of the listeners of the show for like, because I've been gone for the last few weeks. Uh, main reason is not because uh, I dipped out because the socks were terrible, although it probably looked like that. Uh, sadly, my uh, my uncle Johnny passed away, and uh, 
pretty much all of my motivation to uh, do anything vanish uh, when he passed away. Pretty rough last few weeks, and uh, I've doing I'm I'm doing better now. Obviously, that's why I'm doing this episode. But yeah, man. I mean, uh, I, I wish I could have been on more the last few weeks, but uh, literally all my motivation was gone. <laughs> so we're gonna do one last uh, three up, three down. Um, and I think that the appropriate place to start is our three up, three down king, Marty McFly at SoxMart123. Um, his w. question is, is there anyone internally the Red Sox might genuinely consider to take over as chief baseball officer? And if yes, any ideas who? Um, I mean, I would love for them to hire Eddie Romero. I think he would be my top choice. Uh, so, yeah, let's go Eddie Romero. who's yeah. um, been in his, He's been with the team since, I think, like 2000 six something like he's been around for a while uh assistance the gm petty doesn't like me picking that choice but it, it is what it is what do you guys think i mean i pretty much agree eddie romero like if there's a guy in the organization like if you're gonna hire with him that just deserves it more than anyone else it would be him like this is a guy who's like in terms of like the leg group or work of building the core of the boston red Sox, like there's like almost no one that you can look at more than at him like, this is the dude who's, like, responsible for finding guys like Xander Bogarts, like, finding Raphael Devers. Just, he's done phenomenal work over the years. And if they were to hire him internally, like, to be the next big dog, then he would absolutely deserve it. I think there's really only two choices here. And one guy said he didn't want it, and Alex Cora, because ownership loves him. And the other guy is Eddie. The only the problem here is I don't want Eddie to get hired because I don't want him to get fired. That <laughs> Literally. Too, that's fair. That, that Literally. Is too, that is too valuable of an asset to lose from your organization. No, I think that that's smart. Um, so thank you, Marty. And we appreciate your questions like these. You, you are the undisputed king of three up, three down. Uh, let's see, what's another one? This is from our friend Ish. Um, Isma2k9. That's his handle. Yoshida, Verdugo, Duran, Rafael, Abreu, Rob Snyder, uh, which Rob is Snyder. a great name Rob for him. Snyder. I know it's Rob Snyder, but I like Rob Snyder. Uh, how would you fix the outfield jam? Also, keep in mind we have Roman Anthony and Miguel Blease down down below. Um, I personally, my, my thing would be that you trade Verdugo and you use um, you use Rafael as your primary second baseman, so that you put William Abreu in right. Uh, Jared Duran in center, Yoshida in left, and you have Ref Snyder as your back. Sorry, Rob Snyder as your backup um, against like lefties. You can shift Rafael out there against lefties also, um, and maybe sign if you want to a Duval. Pablo Reyes plays the outfield if you need another right-handed hitting one there. Um, but it's also important to keep in mind that with Blease is less close because he got hurt, so he hasn't played above Salem yet. I don't want to consider him into those plans, but I mean, Roman Anthony blew up this season and 19 years old in double a and performing in double a, a first team all-star for baseball America. Um, I mean, if, I'm not saying that he's a can't miss prospect, but when you follow the projections of what scouts have said, and you also look at the stats. I mean, there's a, you can see a pattern with other guys that have done really well once they've made it to the big leagues. Um, so I think that that's, and I think he's left-handed hitting too. So that's something that you have to keep in mind as well. But oh my God. you know, it's it's not a bad situation to be in. 
Um, that that's what I'd go with. Though. I don't know what you trade Verdugo for. Uh, maybe I uh, maybe you get like a he's part of a deal for a pitcher or something. I don't know, but uh, but that that's what I go with. What do you guys think? How do you handle gonna, the outfield situation? I'm gonna say that obviously the tier of trading Verdugo is at the top of the list, just because he uh, he's on expiring contract. Verdugo, he's a great guy. He loves the city. I get it, but. He hasn't really lived up to the expectations that have been brought onto him the past few years since being traded here. So I think it's fair to move him in a deal for a pitcher. And I don't think you really have to do much beyond that because, like I said, I want Sedan to be starting at second base to start the year, which bumps Abreu to right and keeps Duran in center. But I just want to glaze Roman Anthony for a minute. <laughs> um, Ed wouldn't say it, but I'll say it. He's damn near as close to can't miss as can't miss gets. The Red Sox have found everybody's can't miss until they miss, dude. The Red Sox have found their Bryce Harper, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I, I think the the Roman Anthony's trajectory is just so rare in the prospect world. Like, a comparable I can think of is like you know just you know shooting up through single A and then also lighting up double A is like uh, Juan Soto did that, and the Nationals were actually smart enough to like see him like tear up double a for like a week and they're like oh so he's just too good for this okay he's a major leaguer now now the question will be like if robin anthony continues this next year will the red sox be smart enough to do that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah man i pretty much just agree with what Ed said i really don't have anything else to add (laughs) (laughs) yeah Big yeah, brains. It's a, it's, a, it's a real circle jerk now. We're all agreeing with each other. Um, <laughs> all right, so we gotta gotta do one more. Um, this one's from Betty Biceps. Uh, Cook Cora Cook season baby at Purple Cobra fifty six. Will the Red Sox actually start sale on opening day? I don't mean I don't see it if we get two better guys. Um, I would say yes, uh, but I'm assuming he's healthy, and that's because it's ceremonial, and it's making a statement like this guy's the leader, and it makes sense for him to be the leader. It takes some of the pressure off the two new guys they're bringing in. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say I'd say yes. That doesn't mean he's the ace, though. That doesn't mean they don't get guys in free agency. I'd, I'd prefer, like, if they get Yamamoto or Burns, that he does not, because I like... Uh winning on opening day. I like putting out your best chance to win an opening day. That's, that's my opinion. <laughs> I'll say this: Sam didn't have that terrible of a season when he was healthy and he made 20 starts. If you told me he was going to have like a 4.30 ERA, good strikeout walk numbers, um, start 20 games, pitch 102 innings. I'd be I, like, all right, like, that's I, okay. I, like, I don't I, hate him. I get that. But like, at the same time, like you're the Red Sox going into next year. Uh, the the way you don't make a statement saying like we're not going to fuck around is starting a guy on opening day with a 4.3 ERA in the previous season as your opening day starter. Hey, hey, hey. They didn't say they're not going to fuck around. They just said they were going to spend money. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the first step to fucking around and finding out. He's opening your a fuck ton of money. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll answer the question with a statement. Corey Kluver started opening day this year. That's all God, I have. He, he really did. And sh- look how the season went. I really <laughs> that's still a direct correlation. <laughs> oh, man. 
So that's three up, three down. Thank you for all your questions throughout the season. That was it, it was always a lot of fun, and it's been fun getting to know people over Twitter. Um, it's it, it, it's appreciated. Um, we're gonna end it um, with one last trustometer reading. This yeah. is the final one of the twenty twenty three season. Hogdale, the floor is yours. Yeah, let me pull pull it up. I pinned it this time. Let's go. Shut up to pinning. Good deal. Also, okay, if what? there was a winner for the trust meter in 2023, it's Chris Martin. Like, he's it not on the list now because he got hurt to the end of the season, but it, it he's the winner of the trust meter is Chris Martin. That's a guy that's going to be fun to watch pitch next year. I get, he's a dude that, like, deserved this team to be actually good. Like, know, fuck, right? man. Like, it's that's a shame. the season I've seen since Koji. It's fucking tragic. We don't get to see him in the playoffs. He was phenomenal. I hope he gets some Cy Young votes. That would be hilarious. Literally. So here we go. Trust me, the last one of the season. We got number nine. Got Mauricio Lovera. I mean, guys, you're going to pick me up here. I did not watch these games. (laughs) You didn't see it, but I blew a raspberry and gave a thumbs down. That's all you need to know on that one. (laughs) Number eight. We got Nick Robertson. Fucking, yeah. Mid. I, Seems I, like I actually like Robertson. He's somebody that I think um, has has the potential to be something very interesting. Um, but we didn't get to see him pitch a ton this year. I just, I like his arm. 100% I feel that number seven, very handsome gentleman, Chris Murphy. It's true. Intimidatingly handsome. Love him. Absolutely yeah. love that guy. He He's came, the goat. He came up and did a good job. Like honestly, it was yeah, good a good really year. Pitch much and good rookie year. Um, happy to see him back next year. I would be. I don't know what the heck his role is going to be. He's somebody I could see actually having value as a trade piece. I I don't know, but yeah, I like Chris Murphy. Yep. Next spot on the list, we got John Schreiber, who uh, I really just hope like he can have a nice fall off season and you know just build back up to the John Schreiber that we love. He wasn't terrible. He didn't do not terrible. Himself, but no. he got hurt and he wasn't very good after he tried to come back from that. As happens but, to a lot of yeah. people. <laughs> he was a solid middle reliever this year when they needed him to be a setup guy. Yeah, pretty much. That's like the only big issue with him. Number five, guy who'd been just really kind of like just inconsistent in the bullpen, Garrett Whitlock. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know what to make of him. I'm kind of on the boat of he shouldn't they shouldn't try to use him as a starter just because he can't seem to stay healthy. No. Um but it was like he wasn't good as a starter and then he wasn't that good as a reliever. And it's like I don't think they Daniel Barden him or anything like that. I think it's a little bit different than that situation, but I think you just pick a role for him and let him stay in it for the year. Yeah, just fully dedicate him to the bullpen. Yeah. Like just don't fuck yeah. this up. It's yeah. it'd be a shame if they ruined him because they rubber banded him too much. Next spot on the list, we got Zach Kelly, and I'm I'm just happy that he's he's back. I'm I'm just happy. The season I think would have been different if Zach Kelly had stayed healthy. I, he's I think very that, good. I he's just think that it was death. as good of a depth farm, as good of a middle relief farm as you're going to find. I love the changeup that mixes with his fastball. It's just a good story, too, that, like, I didn't get enough credit, but Zach Kelly looked like, in the middle of April, his career was over. You know? Elbow injury. 
worked his way back, made it back to the majors, looked pretty good in that return. Plus, one of the Red Sox' big issues in the middle of the season is, like, we had too many lefties, and, like, if I could just we're running short on arms. Zach Kelly would have fixed both those problems if he was here. Yeah. So guy that I'm hoping we see again next year. I'll say that I, 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 I like Zach Kelly quite a bit at number three, got the below boo, 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 just a really great year from him, man. Like he's been probably the best uh, trashy pickup of the year like he's just fantastic oh there are two of those though that's a that's a tough one him versus pablo reyes is a tough one he's just a really fantastic year yeah good season mariners jim uh jim rice compared him a little bit to wakefield and at first i was like what are you talking about and then i thought about it it's like yeah you can kind of put him in in any role and he can do it yeah honestly Mm -hmm. yeah at number two, we got Kenley Jansen, who's been in the spot for like most of the year, honestly. He ran I mean, out of gas. He, he did run out of gas, but I mean he he had a good year. Oh but, yeah. No arguing that. No no arguments there. It was Kenley, nice having a real closer again. Kenley earned his paycheck. I don't think anybody would say Kenley was Ken, Kenley sixty uh sixteen million dollars. He absolutely deserved it. Hundred percent. Absolutely agree. And number one, we got Wink, Josh Winkowski. Glad to see him finish out the year strong. I I just want to read off that Josh Winkowski had 84.1 innings this season. That's insane. That's, yeah. It, that's... He, I mean, Cora does this with one guy every year. He will run a pitcher into the ground. We saw him do it with Adam Adovino. We saw him do it with Ryan Brazier at the end of 2021. This year, it was Joshua. We saw him do it with uh, Matt Barnes. This was, uh, I mean, some of that's a, a supply matter, but when he trusts the guy, he keeps going back to the well with him. And um, we saw him do that with Winkowski this year, and it was a really big season for him, being kind of uh, proving that he's a guy who can do it for a big league se- season. And he ended the year with a 1.9 B-War, which for a reliever is, is pretty solid. Um, 2.99 ERA over 84.1 innings, uh, 82 walks, uh, sorry, 82 strikeouts. I'd be bad if it was 82 walks, uh, 82 strikeouts to 31 walks. He gave up nine home runs this year. Last year, he gave up 10 home runs in 14 less innings. So it, 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 it's, listen, the FIP was, which is the kind of, it's, uh, it's the indicator of how much luck was involved was a 3.91. Uh, so the, a little bit, this is versus his 2.99 ERA, a little bit of luck there, but he was clutch, and he somehow managed to throw that many innings without getting hurt. I can't remember the last, like, pure reliever that wasn't, like, a true... He had, like, one start, um, but that was basically as an opener. I don't remember the last guy to throw that many innings without getting hurt, so that's out of the pen. Like, great, great season for Josh Winkowski. Absolutely, and that's uh, that concludes the final trustometer of the season. If I get brought to you, of course, by my existential dread. <laughs> Absolutely, great sponsors. Uh, our contact, uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting though. Our uh, contract with um, Hogdale Thanatos is gone, and we're going to be sponsored by his Eros next year um, on our own thing. So we're going to see some some Hogdale libido next year. It's going to be groovy. Yeah. Oh, behave! 
<laughs> oh my god, yeah. Hogdale Hogdale Austin Powers is is I'm looking forward to it. That's that's what my minor in psychology got not got us is, is, is the use of those words there. Uh, but anyway, thanks for listening today. Uh does anybody have anything else they want to add? I feel like we kind of ran the gauntlet today. I'll miss you guys and best of luck. Yeah, we'll see you around and stay in touch. And it's been um, an absolute privilege getting to work with y'all. Absolutely. <laughs>